this computer. Welcome to the See Where It Goes podcast. And today we have a very special guest, Miss Tammy Whitmer. Here I am. Yes, that's the first time we've had a third person on the uh, on the call here. Well, I would beg to differ because you have a skull in your room. So oh, it yeah. looks like we you've do. had a third person with you for a while. This is Jerome. Wow, that's Jerome. We have a, yeah, we do. That's my Halloween mask. But um, they said uh, one size fits all, but they weren't thinking of me. So it doesn't quite fit my head. And my beard <laughs> sticks China. out of the mouth. So, so well, this is Jerome, as your wow. husband named him, Jerome, because, uh, well, that doesn't matter. Or does it? I don't know. Should we tell? No. Go yeah, ahead, you can tell it. about Jerome. Well, there, when, my yeah, first why? thought was when I put him there is that the early Christian saints would always have a skull in their room. Like, uh, and uh, Jerome, who actually did an early Latin translation of the Bible, had a skull to remind him of his mortality. And I, I was thinking that. And then your husband, Greg, walked in the room and he goes, hey, you're like Jerome over there. So we named him Jerome. I was very, I was very impressed. You remember you guys think alike. Yes. We very do. smart people. Yeah. Well, so who, who, who are you, Tammy? And oh, uh, yeah. Can you start with that or. Oh, wait, she I was going to oh, ask us. Some oh, you, were you, first, sorry, no, remember? no. Uh, well, yes. yeah, but should, should we, should, should people know who Tammy is first? And then she can ask a question. Okay. 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 Who am I? Well, that's an intense question. I've been trying to figure that out for 35 <laughs> years. Oh yeah. That would make sense. Yeah. Um, and we'll get to some of that. Yes, I just gave away my age, everybody. 35. I'm 35. Oh. That's awesome. Uh, as of yesterday. Um, that's, right. Oh, that's right. Happy birthday. Thank you. My my spouse gave me a massage, which was so nice for my birthday. And I just had to laugh because my masseuse was, you know, you don't know who you're going to get. Um, mm-hmm. he, uh, he was about 90 years old and blind. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh wow. wow. That would did. be the perfect masseuse I would want. <laughs> he did a such a good one. job. <laughs> yes. I was like, I don't have to worry about being naked here. <laughs> like, oh, that's a good idea. That's awesome. Rolling around. So, anyways, it was actually a wonderful massage. But um, so who am I? I um I'm Tammy. I'm sure we'll go into how yeah. we how we all met, but right. uh, I currently live in Vancouver, Washington, which is across the river from Portland. And I have two children, a three and a five year old, and uh, I have one on the way. I'm Yay. halfway there. I guess I'm in my fifth month of pregnancy. And, um, my husband works at the Portland VA and I'm a mental health counselor. So that's a little bit about me. That's, that's, so that's fantastic. Audience. Yeah. She knows way more than we do about yeah. mental health and things of this sort. Oh. When we try to be analytical about these things. I wonder no. if I, oh, sorry, Tommy. Go ahead. Say something <laughs> else. I'm looking, I want to look at your levels here, Bridget. Okay. One, two, three, four, That's five, right. six. Am I pretty good? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There you cool. go. Yeah. We did nothing's changed here on, on, uh, we're still as unprofessional as ever checking levels in the middle of a, <laughs> of a podcast, you know? So I love it. You know? I'm so excited to be here. I mean, I'm geeking out because I have listened to you guys since your very first episode. Wow. I think I started listening last January. Um, is that when you started? We started in October uh, of, uh, we were all, we're coming up on a year there. Uh, so no, wow, we're, we're past year, it's... around middle of October last year, we started. Oh, wow. Wow. 
thank you for listening. For, yeah, that's, thank uh, you. It's very, you know, very honored that you'd uh, listen in there. Yeah, I feel like you you all have been a part of the last year with me because you've been in my earbuds while I'm mm-hmm. training for a 10K or oh, painting cool. the interior of my house or That's conceiving awesome. my daughter. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome. Uh, how, how old are the girls now? If Five and three. Yeah. Five and three. Bridget showing up over there. No, she just said it. Oh, you just said it. Did she just say that? She said it, yeah. (laughs) We have this problem where I ask people questions that that they've already answered. And it's been a problem with us for years where we'll be at a party and I'll ask a question. The person just answered it. What I was thinking about when you were telling saying that. I don't know. You don't know. Probably probably mic levels. Hey. Mic levels. Yeah. Can can I ask you though? Um since it's been almost a year, um, what has it been like for you to podcast for a year or how have you changed mm. through this experience? Well, I, I was thinking of that last night because uh, some friends of ours in Georgia, the husband hadn't listened to the podcast from the beginning. He just started listening like in the past, like six or seven episodes. So mm-hmm. they're going back. He's going back to the beginning to listen to them. And so I was thinking about some of those first episodes and everything. And just realizing the process of communication. Like I feel like our communication has probably gotten a lot better and I listen to them, um, every week also. And I feel like I learn how I sound like when I talk to Brian, when I'm talking about my own personal struggles and what I'm going through and like hearing, you know, like my anger or hearing my sadness or hearing, just like hearing myself because you don't, when do you really get a chance to do that? You know, and then also hearing our dynamic and how Mm. we communicate with each other. And so I feel like I've learned a lot about myself. I feel like I've learned a lot about our relationship and I think it's made us better communicators. So I think it's a really cool tool to have, Mm. you know, um, So yeah, I'm actually interested as well in going back and listening to some of those first episodes because I really want to see again, like, how have I changed, you know? Um, So I don't know. I think I've been refined a little bit by it. So. And I think, um, I don't always go back and she listens to all of them and I don't, I, I, uh, I, when I do, I'm aware of my bad listening skills because because she'll mm-hmm. say something and I'll I'll can tell from my oh yeah 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 and I can tell I'm not listening I can catch myself doing it so it's, it's kind of which is all the more reason why I should go back and listen to it and, and try and get better at, at becoming a listener so there's that that can be hard so um but I think it's been good for I think the consistency once the power of consistency because I listened to a podcast class once and the guy just said, you just got to be consistent. Mm-hmm. And I think that became our focus as opposed to like, we knew the mics weren't great when we started out. So we knew we just didn't have it all together. So we just went with what we had. And I think, um, and we never edited it ever. And, um, you know, I think that's also been, I think, so there's a metaphor there in life where I think you just, just do, go with what you have and um, just leave it out there. Yeah. And I think so where I've also, go ahead. I was going to say too, I think it's made me braver also like just sharing so much and so openly 
and like realizing over time that like people I thought that would never listen to it, realizing that they were, some of them were listening to it and then being like, oh my God, like if they listen to this, yes, it could be very offensive, maybe even hurtful. So I did start kind of editing myself a little bit and then learning too, that I don't have to be such a harsh communicator. Like I'm a very, um, I tend to say things that are very, you know, strong adjectives and strong feelings and things like that. And, um, I don't think it's always 100% necessary to do that. Um, Mm -hmm. but yet, you know, um, I don't want to, I don't want to like edit my journey, but at the same time, I don't want to be so like in your face. You know what I mean? Like I don't have to wound potentially wound someone so potent, so deeply perhaps, you know, I don't know. The the other change for me was, uh, that change along the way was I was very, very overly concerned with, um, how people would respond and what they would think. So all these voices in my head of who could possibly possibly listen to this and be bothered by it was constantly going through my head. And I think I was able to eventually let that go because the, uh, we got one, we got a one-star review from someone who knew us back in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And it was, if I, it was like my worst nightmare of what somebody could have said about us. And it was basically saying, now what a shame they were such great Christians. And now, you know, what have they become? You know, so it was it was good to work through that because mm-hmm. it's like somebody did actually think what I feared they would think. And it's almost like if I had taken all those fears of all, and put them together in a paragraph, this person nailed it, which wasn't a coincidence because we've been in that milieu for so many years. We know the thought process that goes into people like us who step away, you know. So I think getting past that, that was good to get past that fear and actually see it come to pass with one review. And then uh, the other thing, other change I'd have is I think I realized that We've got to talk about what what interests us because as mm-hmm. I think it was Merton said, what's most personal is most universal. So I think talking mm-hmm. about what we care to talk about was important. And then also, I think also coming to the realization that if only one person found joy in it, it was, it was worth doing. It was worth investing the time. And I think, uh, yeah, that was another change for me. It's mm-hmm. like, let's just make it meaningful for one person and see what happens. Yeah. So Tammy, I'm curious when I was sharing uh, I could see some thoughts yeah. percolating in there. What are your thoughts on that? Well, it's, it's making me emotional, honestly, because yeah. I know exactly what you guys are talking about. I mm-hmm. haven't done a podcast, so I, but I'm feeling some of what you were talking about, Brian, with like the piece of, um, being vocal and having other people that you don't know, or do know here, mm-hmm. especially the people you do know, yeah. right. hear what you actually think and believe. Um, I just was feeling Bridget such resonance with the fact like that has been my thought this last year is that you two Mm -hmm. are so brave and I love that you've shown up for your journey in an unedited way Mm -hmm. and you've, um, and you've shared it with us because your story has called out to my story Mm -hmm. And I have felt such comfort in your words, in your, honestly, in your struggles, in your, Mm -hmm. in your fights Mm -hmm. on the air, you know, I've felt so much comfort, um, because there, there, there's so much I share in that struggle Mm -hmm. and, you know, Bridget, we're good friends. Mm -hmm. Like I've been always drawn to you because I think 
you, your personality is different than mine in a way mm-hmm. that you are more ballsy and brave, mm-hmm. like to kind of say whatever. And I really yeah. like, I really like that about you. And Brian, when you share about your struggles, like worrying about what people are thinking, or you listen to your voice and you're like tearing yourself apart. I, I feel like you and I have very similar personalities and, and that inner critic is so strong. Not that you yeah. don't have an inner critic, Bridget, but, um, I and smash I, her down sometimes. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I've also seen, um, some of the comments, um, that have been, you know, when you've been really brave, like on Facebook and mm-hmm. yeah, I just, am like, God, that's, that would be hard, really hard to hear. Yeah. And then it sounds like there's a piece where it's also freeing. It yeah. is. It's like a double-edged sword. It's uh, yeah, it is weird because you feel liberated and at the same time you feel attacked and annihilated and you feel, you just, it just makes you feel like a horrible human being, like, you know, and, but I, but I definitely prefer the freedom part, like wanting to be liberated. And I feel like the further we go down this journey, this road, like you become more human and more of yourself and you just live a better life and it's worth it. Uh, yeah, it's worth it, even though I don't like it, but it's worth it. Thank you for sharing all of that. Yeah, thanks for that. And it's so nice to have, have you here in the in the room. I mean, it feels like you're in the room. You're in the, you're on the big screen. Um, and um, <clears throat> so I've already learned some. Sorry, did I no, interrupt no, you? No, I was done. Okay, I've already learned one thing from you in this interview, Tammy, is that I have this thing where I'm talking to someone and I am making comments when they're sharing. And the, and I'll say like, you know, oh, wow, or cool or okay. And all these things. And I love seeing you nod and Uh. not saying anything. And I like that because sometimes I was actually just out with a friend yesterday and we were, you know, chatting in a store or whatever. And I'm always, I feel like I'm making too many, you know, uh, verbal cues to let them know I'm listening. And I kept thinking, am I saying too many? Am I giving too many verbal cues instead of just like, is it okay? Just to like with my eyes or my nodding to say like, okay, keep going. I'm still here. I'm still listening. And to see that I'm very comforted by what I see from you. And that's okay. It's okay. Not to say, okay, cool. Good. I don't have to do that. Like I can just keep the nod going. And so anyway, thank you for that. And, and you can feel me hugging you as you're talking. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, <laughs> Yeah. I can feel like you're present and yeah. you're there. And yeah. here. so I really like that. You, you are, you're a great listener. Like I was talking about levels of listening. You're a great listener. And also you've asked great questions. So you do. So, um, well, my, my partner might beg to differ, but, uh, but thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. <laughs> So I think for anyone who's listened to this uh, show for the last year, there's a thread you've found or that hopefully listeners have found. And it's really just our own journey from um, our own evolution, if I can use that trigger word, 
you know, of our, of our journey of uh, spirituality, I could even say consciousness or whatever, are, are, are deconstructing from um, I said fundamentalism, I think. Um, so I say all that to say this, you, you really uh, are in for, I, th I think, a treat because I think Tammy has a great story around this that mm -hmm. really fits with um, our own journey. So so I wanted to get into that, if if I may just kick things off and, and kind of um, uh, just start with, so 35 years ago, what's wrong? She wanted to ask us some questions. Oh, you did? Okay. She, I just got the foot there. <laughs> Go ahead. Well, well, yeah, you had some uh, questions for us. Well, either now or at the end, whatever you guys think is, you know, most you natural. Go ahead and ask us questions. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, since I, I hear where you're going, Brian, and I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I also, uh, since I'm a regular listener, I know at the beginning, you guys always tell us about your week. And last mm -hmm. week you were at the wedding and we only got to hear you very shortly in the airport. Uh, mm -hmm. So how was your, your transition home and how was this last week for you both? You go first. Oh, me? Uh, let's see. Uh, it was... How was it? It was good. I mean, work-wise was fine. I did a full week of work and I think that was a good week. I was sick, so I didn't know if I had COVID or not, but I don't. I think I just had a bad cold. So I was under the weather and uh, <clears throat> I'd say it was kind of a, was it uneventful? Not really. I had, I had a, a few uh, Oktoberfest with my neighbors last night, so that was nice. And I have a little bit of a headache, but it's partly because of the bourbon and partly because of my cold. Mm -hmm. So but I don't know much. And you uh, went to a you went to a wedding. Oh yeah, but we already talked about that. Oh, we oh, did. She was asking post wedding because we, we oh post the, wedding. I think okay. we covered the wedding a bit last week. Didn't yeah. We? So I think since the wedding, it has uh, unless I'm forgetting something. It's been yeah. I've just been uh, concentrations be hard been hard to try to read books. I'd like to do more reading. I love to read, and I just I've been a bit not mentally there, but. So yeah, that's what about you? Well, I had a good week. I started a painting, a new painting for my friend, Eric, and um, he wrote a poem or he, I think he's going to do like a book of poetry and he has daughters. He has one son and then he has three or four daughters, I think, but he's kind of surrounded by, you know, all these girls. And so he wrote this really cool poem called the wardrobe. And it's basically about like the different clothes you put on metaphorically and the different phases of your, uh, your womanhood. So like care, being carefree and fun when you're little, and then, you know, the different transitions you make. So the painting is like four women, um, you know, in these different phases of their lives. Um, so yeah, I started that and still trying to find a job as a scrum master. So I still will go on and apply for jobs every day. Okay. And, um, you know, I just need the right place that's looking for someone very underqualified <laughs> to, uh, invest in me. But, um, yeah, I did that. And then did we talk about family, how it was like to see family again after such a long time? I don't remember. Let's ask our dedicated so, listener. No, no, it was not really. Not really. We, just, oh, we talked about oh. the wedding ceremony. Yeah, the cer the three the three <sighs> things or yeah, the three oh, letters. That's right. Yeah. Thank. Well, thanks yeah. for us. That's great. So, <laughs> I thought it was very powerful to see you know Brian's siblings. Number one, he has an amazing family, mm -hmm. and um, 
I had a very powerful moment at that wedding at the reception actually, because, and this ties in with our podcast perfectly because when Brian and I became married, of course he comes from a Catholic family and, you know, I was gung ho miss evangelist all the way. And I had been taught, you know, that Catholics were not saved. They were inferior by all, you know, means and standards, you know, they did not measure up to us evangelicals. And so, you know, I've realized over the past four years, how damaging that mindset is and how hurtful and how arrogant and conceited and narcissistic it is. And so I'm sitting at the table with his amazing sisters, Kathy and Eileen, and uh, Colleen was on the other side of the table. And cause I don't think I ever really evangelized to Colleen, but I remember we were sitting in Eileen's living room and I remember, I don't remember the exact words or the exact topic, but I was basically educating them on why their Catholicism did not oh, I remember that, yeah. measure up. <clears throat> and of course, I'm just doing what, you know, any trained evangelical person would do. You know, mm. this is my duty. And, and I was young too, you know, mm. I was like 28 or something, but I was weeping at the table at the reception, like literally tears were like falling off my face, apologizing to them for saying those things and doing that to them. And they were so gracious and so compassionate. But Kathy told me, she said, I was so angry about that for so many years. And it's like, how hurtful and shameful a thing to do to someone to think you have all the answers and you're going to go pass them out to people, those poor people who don't know anything, you know, and they're in this stupid religion. I need to go educate them because I'm better and I have all the answers and I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and you don't. And that was just so great to get off my chest and to grieve that, you know, not only grieving my personal, my former person, you know, but to make amends with these amazing human beings that are, they have a beautiful relationship with, you know, with their, with God, you know, Eileen's very spiritual. And then that brought us into this whole other conversation where we got to share some other personal things, but I would not have had that platform. I think if I, I got to go deeper with them, you know, and me thinking I have this special thing, it separates you from others, you know? Mm -hmm. So anyway, I just was very grateful that they were so, <clears throat> you know, kind and forgiving to me. And, um, yeah, I never want to make someone feel that way again. Yeah. You know? So yeah, that was cool. And just, they're just amazing. And like yeah. being, a, being away from cool family for such a long time, is not, it's not such a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's funny though. Uh, 
you're just share, sharing that there's even a year into this there's still a, mm-hmm. a bit of fear because she's starting to share the story i'm i'm, I'm thinking that's why i stopped oh did you <laughs> i was like, thinking like you're probably thinking don't go there don't go there well because that was a very personal moment and it's like does it does it dilute it by sharing it you know i mean i don't think it I don't, oh i don't think so i think it could be helpful to maybe other people who who could who've been there and yeah so um I felt the impact of it over here. I got goosebumps when you're talking about that, Bridget. It sounds just like a really powerful repair Mm -hmm. moment for you. Yeah, Yeah. it was was great. Just to hug my sisters felt great, you know? Just hadn't, I hadn't seen them in a while. And um, yeah, it was so, it was really, I don't know, you know what it was? I think I said it last week, but uh, my nephew, had these projector projectors with our last name ralph uh, on the walls in big letters and it's like that was you know it, it, being in the states ralph means vomit so i've always been aware of that mm-hmm. and there's always been a little bit of oh but to see him a next generation embrace the name as his own and in his, for his wife to embrace it so fast like she changed her name the next day on facebook it really i, I think i told him it was one of mm-hmm. the proudest days i've had about our last name and he gave me a hug so that was really that was fun because it's like you know it'll be his own he's not he's part of a lineage but he's also making it his own and bringing his own flavor and adding his own flavor as she will too and as please god their children will so i think it's that was very uh i don't know weddings are great mm-hmm. was, yeah anyway so it was very i'm so glad we also realized like if you're going to spend money do it on stuff like that that's memorable as opposed to mm-hmm. spending it on stuff so that was yeah fun. I agree. How was your week, Tammy? Yeah. Oh, yeah. My week was somewhat normal and somewhat much more eventful. Um, But yeah, normal for me is mostly being with my kids, keeping them alive. Mm -hmm. And I work part time. And then um, I started my own counseling this week. uh, Oh, wow. Which felt really good to finally step into that space where I'm being cared for. Yeah. And then on Thursday, when I was working, my daughter fainted at school and they had to call 911 and had one of those like heart dropping parenting moments. Oh yeah. When you get the call. Because I, and I also, I was at work, so I didn't find out until like 45 minutes after. And, um, so she spent the day at the ER and I I think she's okay. We're going to keep assessing her, but wow. Yeah, poor kid. She's just five and at preschool. Uh-huh. She was what, standing. Do they know have any I mean, clue? she was standing doing crafts um for probably 15 minutes and mm-hmm. maybe locked her legs. And it was a Halloween party day. So I know she was yeah. super excited and yeah. wearing her costume. Maybe she got hot. So it's just so sad. This little oh. five-year-old, you know, with paramedics and she has glitter all over her face from her oh, costume. So cute. So yeah, that was so listeners, Tammy's girls are the cutest little human beings in the world. They're so cute. Also listeners, I have a proposition because Bridget has been trying, I'm having my third daughter, which is proving to be quite difficult to come up with a name. Mm -hmm. And Bridget, don't say the name that I won't say it. There is a name that might be a contender, but, um, Bridget has been sending me a million options for names, which I really appreciate. Um, Welcome. But I thought I would extend the offer to general public. Mm. If you would like to name a random person's baby. Right. (laughs) You just text Bridget 
<laughs> or yeah, just text email. me and I'll share the suggestions. Uh, maybe and they I- could put it in the comments too on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. Put it in the comments. Whatever. Yeah. And I will give you a hint. My five-year-old's name is Willow. My three-year-old's name is Dakota. So I kind of like whimsical earthy names, but I am very open to all different kinds mm-hmm. of names. So uh, also I'll sweeten the pot and even say, if I pick your name, oh. this includes you, Bridget. Okay. I'll send you a $20 gift card. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. I, I'll get on that now. I'm <laughs> even more motivated. Yeah, I, mean, I was motivated by our friendship, but now I'm really motivated. Yeah. You know? I've been texting yeah. <clears throat> Tammy with names. I haven't texted you in a couple of weeks though with names. It's okay. Maybe I've been trying to think of some you. more. I haven't come across any. I mean, you gave me a good variety. It's really hard to get Greg on board with some of these names. I'm like, mm-hmm. yes, if you and I were having a baby, Bridget, we would have that kid. Let's do it. Did she, <laughs> did, did she, uh, were they Celtic names by chance? There was one that was Celtic. Oh. What was, oh, that was a cute one. I'm trying to I remember. remember. I've sent yeah. you so many. Cause she wanted to, Liam was supposed to be Wyatt. And then I pushed for Liam. And then once Liam went through, uh, all she was on board with the Celtic names. So all three. Yeah, I love were, your kids' names. We're all yeah. So we kind of got we kind of got lucky there. So Tammy, uh, here's how it works. As you probably know, if you need to step away at any point, like to get a coffee, water, go to the bathroom, just do it. And we'll. I'm gonna do, I'm gonna do it right now. I have to go pee. Okay. Go, okay. Say, hey, go, go go go. Part of being pregnant. Oh yeah. yes. Take it. So um, while Tammy's doing that um. I did order a coffee from downstairs, but I don't know if anyone's oh, got good my, for you. I don't know if anyone's got my request. So I might just do a live call. Um, will, you, will you order <clears> me a hot chocolate from downstairs? No, well, let me call Finn. The, the scary thing when you call a teenager live is that there could be cursing, but I'm not going to put on a speakerphone. Oh, so okay. do apologize. Our, I think uh, we've already told everyone on here that our children. Hello. Curse. Um, could you, you're live on the air. First of all, could you get me a coffee and your mom a hot chocolate? You guessed, did you? So just check your text details for Mina there. And then she wants a hot chocolate. Ooh, that looks good. I'm going to have to make it today. What now? I want a hot chocolate. Yeah. Here I'll hand it over. Okay. So, um, yeah, we're just about to get into some, you uh, can make it with water Finn. Yeah. You can make it with water. How did you hear her? Okay. We'll let you go now, Finn. We got to go. We just start. I could hear her because I can hear her talking uh, through that. Okay. Water. She said it's fine. So Tammy, uh, tell us now. So we start the journey um, in um, 35 hey, years ago yesterday. Should we say briefly how we all met? So people sure, have let's do it. some oh, let's clue. Do that. Yeah, let's do that. So do you want to go first? Sure. So Tammy and I were oh, at a I place called Mana which is a place where you go to get free food when your husband is in seminary (laughs) and I'm all about the free food. So (laughs) we were sitting in a church, I don't know, conference room or something. I don't know. Mm -hmm. You were behind me. Yes. I was behind you. And, uh, we just started chatting, I guess. Had I started a workout group at that point? I feel like you just had, cause at some, you invited me somehow. Yeah. I think it was brand new. And so had we connected through Greg and Brian? No, no. I met, okay. Yeah. I met Brian. I think even before Greg met Brian. Oh, okay. So no, we met on our own. Yes, we did. <laughs> and then we became fast friends and we worked out together all the time religiously for several years, actually. Probably four or five years. 
I know. I mean, that was like the best part of oh. my whole <laughs> workout life. I've never been able to get that back again. And, uh, yeah, so we've spent hours and hours and hours together. Just, it's been amazing. So there's, I heard you say, uh, about Greg and you. So I, I saw Greg before I saw you. Now I may have talked to you before I talked to Greg because mm. it was the first week of seminary and it was, okay. I, I, it was a Tuesday night, new Testament class. Greg was sitting in front of me. Okay. So I saw him first. Now I don't know when him and I actually, we would have talked and we got to know each other there. And then we'd have beers across at the old mill. Do you remember that? Yes. Across Santa Fe in, in yes. Colorado. So um. it was a Tuesday night that I would have seen him. Now, whether I talked about, I don't know. The, the following Thursday night of that same week, I turned around and you were behind me At, in Old Testament in with Old Dr. Testament. Hess. Yeah, correct. And I actually didn't remember. Uh, I did. I wasn't. I remember not listening to the instructions and I turned around hoping you got them and you did. Surprise, surprise. It was me, you and someone else. And then um, the, the other memory of that time was it was either that event or something else. I had a Macintosh with a with an AC adapter. Oh my gosh. I have the same memory. I'm you know, so happy that you remember. Okay. Well, go finish it out then. <laughs> no, no, no. Keep going. Well, so the, the Mac has this, uh, my, cause my boss had told me when he gave it to me, this one like this years earlier, it has these clips, you flip them up and then you can wrap your cord around it. So the cord stays with the adapter. And I did that. And you said, Oh, I didn't know you could do that. Cause you had a Macintosh too. So <laughs> you learned, uh, I learned new old Testament instructions from you because I wasn't listening and you learned something from me that day about, Oh so my gosh, it. that makes yeah. me so happy that you came up with that story, Brian. Cause I thought I was so clever. Like I remember my first impression of you was sitting behind you with my new MacBook pro. Yeah. And then I watch you whip out your cord pull out the end, which I didn't even know flipped out, yeah. wrap the cord around. And I thought this guy's got his shit together. <laughs> See, that's funny. You had that memory because my memory was she's going to think I'm an idiot because I wasn't listening to the instructions. And it's and, and I and I was feeling a bit insecure because I could tell you were following along. And I, I don't know what the hell we're doing here. It was like, something this girl's about, an overachiever. You know, it was, well, that's so, that, so what happens. I never, I knew you both then, but then we're standing outside toast across from the seminary one Sunday morning and Greg walks over and then you walk over and you said, I'm Greg's wife. I said, Oh, I never knew that. I don't know how long I'd known you guys independently before I, so I connected. Funny. It was a connecting of the old Testament and the new Testament really. <laughs> Cause he was in, the he, was old new, he was a new oh, Testament. She, a was, new, an she Testament. was an old Testament. Okay. Oh, that's so funny. So, that's great. And Bridget and I, I have to say our workout journey, I just think it's so funny because it's kind of sacrilegious. We started in the chapel with our workouts. Yeah, and, we did. And oh, Bridget, did. I just followed her like a little puppy, like whatever she wanted to do for workouts. I just showed up. We did like Tracy Anderson. We did uh, that one chick that did like a million squats, Tonique. Tonique. Yes. Sylvia Girl. Weisberg. Weisenberg. Yeah. And you taught me how to use a kettlebell and yep. we went to that awful gym at, on Pearl street. Oh, that I is know. The hardest workout I've ever done in my life. No, that was super hard. They're so. still doing training. Those two, they moved to California. Oh my gosh. They're that guy was become, like fit famous. And they, who, who are you uh, talking about? Yeah, I have opinions. Pearl street owners. I have yeah. opinions about those people. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> not good opinions. And, um, yeah. And I always loved Bridget that you were like, 
balance. Like I got to see you as a mom, like your kids would come interrupt mm-hmm. you because they were little still. Yeah. And I still hold that memory today when I work out. Now mm-hmm. I have little kids. I'm like, yeah. God, I know Bridget knows what this is like. And yeah. um, we would have beer after and we would paint together mm-hmm. sometimes. You were just such a dear friend. You, I mean, you still are. I feel really Before lucky you, that you guys have like had some similar like spirit like spiritual evolution since mm-hmm. because it's rare to find yeah people that we connected we connected in a religious community and now yeah still connect yeah I know that's that was weird because you guys were moving ahead of us on the deconstruction path and uh yeah it like it didn't bother me but at the same time looking at it now it's like that if we had stayed, like our relationship probably would have become maybe obsolete even. Who knows? I don't know. I remember, uh, and this will be a good launching point, but I remember when Greg's journey began, he was close He was close to his finals where he'd have to sit before professors yes. and, and do his uh, a, a journey. I was a year behind him on, and uh, he was... Uh, trying to figure how can I be honest in this and still navigate my way out of seminary because his his doubts were coming in strong then and I just remember my own fear it's like uh, oh crap what if that happens to me if that happens to me I hope I can at least get out of here with my with my degree and then and then all that can take place but I remember that was a very vivid moment of oh oh no which we'll get back to I'm kind of given mm-hmm. the uh, given the middle part of the book so um so uh, back to you now. So uh, as I showed you earlier, I was thinking like maybe we uh, love to hear a bit about your spiritual journey as a kid growing up, what that was like. And um, is that cool? We just kick off there. Yeah. Yeah. I'll move quickly through childhood stuff. Just, you know, I feel like the, oh, by the way, before you, sorry, if, if we need to make this a two-parter, that's fine. You know what I mean? Okay. So just, you just let us know when you're kind of, when you need to bring the landing gear down and we'll, we'll do that. Okay. I can also be succinct when needed. Okay. okay. All right. Good job. Um, I'm a professional on the show here. I know. We're not used to this. <laughs> well, <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Um, so you're you're asking, what are you asking, Brian? Oh yeah, just like what was your spiritual childhood like? What was religion like in your okay. childhood? Yeah, in my childhood, it was very vanilla religion. Um, if you grew up in North America, in Christianity. That was pretty much my childhood. I, I was, uh, born in South Dakota and I, my dad was a pastor, you know, so up till age eight. Um, and then we moved to Northern Minnesota, right next to Fargo. If anyone's nice. heard of Fargo. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. That's where I spent most of my childhood. Um, my dad switched careers. He actually became a counselor. So that's why we moved, but yeah. So what denomination um, was it, Tammy? It was evangelical free. Okay. So it's pretty like moderate, you know, not the mm-hmm. most conservative and not the most liberal. Um, and honestly, okay. I'm, I'm going to give you just snapshots of yeah. myself that I remember. I remember um, when I was four years old, my parents went on a date and I had a babysitter and I'm laying in my basement bedroom in my um, rainbow water bed mm-hmm. and I have red carpet in my room, cool. just terrified, yeah. <laughs> but just terrified to fall asleep, which 
so developmentally appropriate, but, um, and what I was afraid of was, you know, that I was going to die when I fell asleep and then go, go to hell. Oh no. You're how old at this point? I was four. Oh Oh my gosh. So I scurry over to my sister's waterbed down the hall, you know, and jump in with her and tell her, and she leads me through the prayer, right? The magic words that you say to accept Jesus in your heart. And then you're not going to hell anymore. Um, and then I, you know, fast forward to me as a 12 year old, mm-hmm. um, I'm now, you know, in Fargo Moorhead, And I remember, um, when I was 12, my faith became very alive and personal to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember sitting in our church at one of the chairs in the, I was going to say cathedral, um, sanctuary. And I was on my knees with my Bible open, reading something in Exodus when Moses and the bird Exodus. Yeah. You know, me old Testament. Oh, that's um, right. When Moses said, what, what'd you say? When Moses was having his encounter with God and the bird. Yeah. Okay. And I, I heard when I was reading the passage, mm-hmm. I, I felt, and I heard a deep rumbling. Mm-hmm. Um, when I got to the part that God says, like, I am who I am or something like that. Do you, I don't, I don't even remember now. Um, but I, I, I felt that I heard the voice of God. Yeah. And, and I also felt like this really strong call to missions, um, mm-hmm. around the same time. So, at the time my youth group was going to go to Africa and I told them, you know, I need to be on that trip, even though everyone going was like 17 or 18 and I was Mm -hmm. 12, 13, somewhere in there. Yeah. And I, so I ended up being the youngest one on the team going to Africa and that kind of, I mean, that gives you just a sense of how heartful and ambitious I was in my faith and it defined me a hundred thousand percent. I was a child of God. Um, you know, when I was in high school, went to a public high school, my main mission was to be a witness mm-hmm. to everybody and everybody's parents wanted their kids to be my friend. Cause I would never do anything bad. Mm-hmm. And, um, at, you know, as I talk about that now, I feel a lot, a sense of loss mm-hmm. because I never made mistakes and had mm. like normal adolescent rebellion. I mean, you guys have teenagers, Mm -hmm. you know what teenagers are like. I mean, there's like a healthy amount of rebellion and Mm risk-taking. I'm sure it's terrifying, but I never did any of that. Yeah. I just followed the rules, you know, on New Year's Eve, instead of partying with my friends, I would go to my grandma's apartment and pray in the new year with her. You Mm -hmm. know, I was so zealous. Yeah. So naturally when it came time to go to college, I, I knew I was called to be a missionary. Mm -hmm. And so I had to find a school that could train me how to be a missionary. So Moody Bible Institute Mm -hmm. came on the radar and they had a degree in, in international ministry and um, they're getting their beverages folks. Yes. I just had hot chocolate delivered. Oh, wow. Your kid's. You Which um, your delivery people are not gone. yet. My delivery Dude. people would spill my drink. 
Around seven we're gonna, years we're of gonna, age, we're you'll gonna, have your we're gonna, own yeah. delivery we're, we're, we're going to get a delivery out to you. <laughs> Is it Finn today? It was Finn, it was yeah. Finn, that was her arm yeah. you just saw. I love Thank Finn. you, Finn. Yeah. Thanks, Finny. I miss but, you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was to you, yes, yeah. That was for you, too. <laughs> so, um... Uh, so keep going. Keep going. Sorry. Okay. So I'm, I, I went to Moody Bible Institute, this little North Dakota girl goes to the big city, Chicago. Mm-hmm. So why, why, I guess that, so it makes sense to me why you went there mm-hmm. um, because it's the big Moody, Moody Bible Institute is a Bible Institute, which, which they, they started kind of growing fast in the last, I don't know, maybe a hundred years or so. And they tend to be more fundamentalist, uh, literal. Well, actually, I'm not going to say much more because you went there. So you know more than me. So my question would be, why did you go there? Was that just a place you did you was that the not obvious place to go because of geography or theology? Yeah, I don't know. It came on my radar because I think my pastor's daughter had gone there. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so I, I heard about it. And then I heard there was a school that trained people in ministry. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, this is obvious, an yeah. obvious fit for me. Yeah. So you get there and um well let me think here. Okay, no, I don't wanna, I don't want to rush that journey because uh so was that was that go ahead. Oh no, I wa- I welcome any questions. Yeah. Do you um were you scared to leave? Because you're young. What do you how old are you at this point? I mean, yeah, like normal, like 18, like Liam, Liam's yeah, age. Is right. Liam, how old is Liam? He's 18, yeah. 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 So was it scary but, to go to But a lot city? less brave than Liam. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like, was that, um, yeah, what was that like? Like, I'm going to go to big city. Yeah. I, I, I've always had this weird, not weird, but a very strong inner confidence, inner guide. Right. Uh, yeah. At the time I attributed that to God, you know, I just felt so much peace about going there. I knew mm-hmm. I was supposed to be there. So I felt really good about it. Uh, but was it terrifying? Yes. I remember I'd never been to a big city in yeah. my life. So I was literally, I would walk the streets of Chicago fearful that I was going to get shot because I just had this small town mentality. Like I didn't know how to be in a, in right. A right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And were you on campus there, Tammy? Yeah. And for those who aren't familiar, it's, it's, it's right. Down, it's pretty much right downtown. Now it is on the North side of downtown, but it's, they got in early and the city kind of built itself around them, but they, mm-hmm. they have a decent amount of land, but they're right in the center of the thick of things there. Right. It's yeah. the best location. Truthfully, I lucked yeah, out. It's, yeah, it's great. So I do have a question uh, okay. about when you were, when you look at your childhood, mm-hmm. okay, let me get, okay. The specific question is this, how do you frame your experience with the voice of God mm-hmm. as someone who has deconstructed how do Mm -hmm. you explain that now yes i'm glad you asked that question because that part disturbed me for a long time Mm -hmm. because i used that as proof you know validation for god Mm -hmm. for it all being real so i mean bridget like just recently in the last year um i've been able to tap into a different side of myself. That's like my, it's like a very deep consciousness or subconsciousness, Mm -hmm. um, through meditation and breathing and different kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And 
I have a very, I mean, you know this about me, I am a creative person and mm-hmm. I have a very vivid internal visual world. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it manifests in bodily sensations. Sometimes mm-hmm. it manifests in even, even like audible things. Mm-hmm. So I've had in the last year, very similar experiences mm-hmm. to that experience I had when I was a 12, 13 year old. Yeah. But it had nothing to do with the voice of God. It was more of like my own voice. Right. And as you experienced that voice more recently, do you feel it's a very similar pattern or feeling as you would have had as a kid? It reminds, I think that's why I kind of draw the parallel. It reminds me of that. So do you feel that influences from the church and and everything you were around, like spoke to your psyche in a way Mm -hmm. that you manifested Mm -hmm. those things? I think so. Yeah. I still don't know. Right. But I think so. That's what I'm guessing. So it's interesting. So you, I'm guessing the story of when you were 12 is a story that was told in youth groups or church settings as part of your testimony. Is that fair to say? I'm pretty sure I told it while I was like in Africa being, a you know, missionary Mm -hmm. when I was little. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's it. So, so, so that, and also was the four-year-old story was that, did you look back and say that that's part of your testimony that you tell other people that was powerful? So that was accepted Christ. Yeah. And then, so that would, that would have been a positive spin, but now it sounds like you're looking back at that four-year-old and and you're looking at that differently. Like that was a damaging, or I I don't mean to lead the witness here, but (laughs) how do you feel about the four-year-old now? The four-year-old, I, my daughter is five. My other daughter's three. I look at them developmentally. They're you, they're sponges. Yeah. They just pick up whatever is around them. So of course I was hearing these stories about heaven and hell and, mm-hmm. and my children have nightmares all the time or fears about falling right. asleep. It's just so developmentally right. normal. And your, my parents were on a date. So I had a babysitter. It's all so normal, but I do feel a sense of sadness because so much of my life I've come to realize was based on fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. Mine too. Yeah. That's, um, have you, can, I, you, can you hold for you one second? Oh, were you going to say something else? No. Okay. It's a nice thing about the camera, but I, I got it wrong. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So here I go into some level two listening, Brian. Um, oh, now I feel go. Right. make it about me now, the me monster. No, no, no. I'm going to relate it. Yeah. Well, because I was going to do, I was going to do the same thing. When you way. said about fear, I was just <laughs> thinking that you know, I was on an airplane coming back. I have a hard time flying. And, um, I always wonder why I can't get over fear because my entire upbringing was based Mm. around fear. Totally. You know, it was like religion, you know, the fear of going to hell, the fear of dying, the fear of accidents. Like my dad, you know, he was always talking about this stuff and, you know, I feel like, you know, our parents didn't mean to, abuse us. That's a very strong word, but it is harmful to put on a child, these massive fears of heaven and hell and saving humanity. And it's your responsibility to do these things. I mean, it, I can't even imagine the damage that, you know, we must all, you know, our brains, like what did that do to our brains? You know, it couldn't have been a positive thing. 
you know, and I'm still struggling with that and trying to become a less fearful person, you know? Yeah, I didn't, I, I didn't have that. Um, I grew up Catholic, so it wasn't purgatory was always an option. It wasn't really a fear thing. I do remember with Liam though at seminary, uh, on campus, um, being terribly afraid of demons. Was it, was it on campus? I think it was on campus. Yeah, it was he on was campus. Young. He thought he had seen demons. He thought he was seeing them in his room, but then, and then, but he'd say, when I walked into the room, they would disappear. And, and my mind's going, that's because oh. I'm the seminarian. That's because I have the prophetic gift and they're afraid of me because I'm going to charge. I'm going to change the world. You know, like all those thoughts are going through my head yeah. and, and not realizing like what, what happened here that he's struggling with such fear around these things, you know, and that's not, it's not like that. I think this for me, the seminary was a bit of a healthier, it was a healthier version of what we had come from in Chicago in the specific church we were in. So I'm not blaming that on, on the seminary, but it was definitely a lot of a big part of his upbringing because we were in that. Yeah. that well, yeah. I was having a different kind of journey with Liam because mm. like he's, I remember that, but then also he started getting debilitating migraines I remember that on campus and, you know, he would cry and beg God to heal him. Uh, and I'd be sitting next to him and I would be crying and I would be fucking, fucking off God and getting so angry. And I mean, this is not cancer. It could have been much worse. Right. Right. But I mean, he would throw up. They Aww. were so bad and he just could not understand why God would not take away his migraine headaches. And I'm like, yeah, why isn't he taking away your migraine headaches? I don't know. <laughs> I would you know, I'm your parent. I would deliver you from this. He has all the power, but he won't. And that leads right into something that we're going to ask Tammy later, yeah. but, um, cool. yeah. which is about the chink in the armor. Oh, of right, Christianity. Right. That was so, one of the first chinks for me Okay, is watching the suffering of my child and, uh, being like, where, where is God yeah. and why isn't he doing something to help? in this situation so uh so you get to you get to moody and and then um what what's um what was that experience like um are these bad questions because i feel no, like that's you, good I, I no that's a good the, okay it's, good. it's a great question i was just going to invite like you guys to keep responding with your own like whatever oh, oh, whatever thanks, in yeah. my story great calls out to your story like i welcome that because okay. it, to me it makes it more engaging and interesting okay um so level two is okay level two yeah (laughs) okay actually side note we have a point of tension in our marriage because about listening Mm -hmm. (laughs) because um greg can be a really good listener like so good like silent Mm -hmm. and i'm like i want a response i want to know what's going on over there i want yeah yeah yeah. i want more level two So be a window into the wheels in there. Yeah. Yeah. I need to know. Um, so yeah, he's like, sorry, I'm too good of a listener. (laughs) He's a good listener. Yeah. He is really good. Um, okay. So you asked me, what was it like at Moody? Yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. um, just was it, was it all you expected? See, it's kind of, it's kind of weird. There's two angles. There's two angles to this story. There's how you viewed it at the time. Yeah. So how you view it now and you're, you're welcome to, switch back and forth or whatever way I want to answer that question. But so at the time I was like a sponge and I sucked it all in. It was like, mm, you know how some people have their glory years in high school, like quarterback of the football team. I was like 
the epitome of the cool Christian girl. Cause I was virtuous and mm-hmm. like semi-athletic and I was an RA, which is a resident assistant, which mm-hmm. for some reason is cool in that environment. And so all the things like loving Jesus was cool. Mm-hmm. And I, I really loved Jesus and I was really zealous. Um, so I just soaked it all in. And one piece I am really grateful for, you know, I met like one of my best friends there. We're still friends today. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was exposed to like diversity for the first time in my life. And I'm eternally grateful for that because mm-hmm. I just was so naive and in my own like white privilege And I felt like I was just beginning to get a glimpse into inequality and, um, and that shaped me and I am grateful for that piece. Um, and, uh, I switched. So as I started learning, um, in my missions classes, I I started out as an international ministry major. Um, I started to feel like it wasn't deep enough for me because I'd always like been a student of the Bible. So I switched to the Bible department because it had the more serious classes. So I started taking Hebrew. Um, Moody is, I like to say they're non-denominational, but they're very fundamentalist. Mm -hmm. So um, like for instance, a huge emphasis on what they call complementarianism, which is mostly means men rule mm-hmm. yeah, and women need to shut up. Yeah. And so like, I would be in chapel if they had a woman speaker, people would walk out of the room. Like uh, that was my God. unacceptable. <laughs> um, in, in our courses, we had, there was like a preaching class, but that was only for men. Um, and then there was like what we call the women's preaching class. So it was like a bunch of women mm-hmm. sitting together and talking to each other. Um, where it's like, we got to practice preaching, but what was the point? It, you know, yeah. Hang on. So the women's preaching class would, would the woman actually preach and the women listen or no? Yeah. There wasn't? Okay. Yeah. There was, there was, there were sermons. I mean, and actually, so chinks in armor, um, my, my teacher, she was a bit of a feminist, uh, undercover feminist. And now, so can you tell she, us who she was. Is that okay? Or. Yeah, uh, Rosalie de Rose. Oh, I know her. Yeah, she. Oh, let me. I'm going to write her name down because she had an impact on me once. So, go ahead. And I don't know everything about her. I by far, I, you know, I don't think she's perfect. Um, however, the period of time I went to Moody Bible Institute was a period of time where the president of our school was one of the most. Oh, <laughs> what's the word? chauvinistic type males maybe in the history of the school's presidency and he was he happened to be there perfectly during like the i think he only lasted four or five or six years and he was there right when when you were there there. what years were you there i'm gonna go look him up now i'm curious because you guys were in chicago at the same time um we were yeah and we we went to the same church for a period i think we did yeah i was i was there from 2005 to 2009 Got it. Okay. So, so, oh, the, so, so, so back to, so that guy, he was the biggest chauvinist and, um, and Rosie, the, the, the Rose, was that her name? Rosalie. De Rosalie. Rosalie. De Rose. De Rose. So, 
was there a connection there between those two? So I don't want to. Oh, okay. So in our women's preaching class, a big thing at Moody was like, they taught us the one view. I mean, maybe they would expose us a little bit to other views, but it was like really hardcore pounding in their view on things theology wise. So like, like um, the president at the time had like banned certain books that like my De Rose wanted us to read a book that presented arguments for like why women could preach. Mm-hmm. And he like forbid her to do it. And she did it anyways. Good for her. So, um, so that was a little bit of a chink moment, like speaking to the feminist in me, the feminist, not the feminist, but the, my female voice that was yeah. being continually stifled. Mm-hmm. That was like, maybe, maybe, maybe you can be you, you know, yeah. after all. What's interesting is you don't, looking back, you could, you know, it was stifled, but did you, you probably didn't feel stifled because it's the only reality you knew. In other words, there was a small, you were forced to be a smaller version of yourself as a woman. Yeah. So I'm wondering, could you sense the stifling or were you like, no, this is as big as I'm supposed to grow? I could sense it. Um, I could sense it, but I was also still like, receiving it. But I remember also saying, um, to my, I was a teacher's assistant and I, for some theology classes. And I said to the prof I was working for, like, why are all the men, the ones doing the TA jobs? And, you know, like, Mm -hmm. like I have a brain too, like I can do this. Right. Really only the guys were getting to do that. No, there were, there were women doing it as well, but it just felt, you could feel the difference of, treatment there. And, um, and so anyways, um, the other piece that was big at the time for me was Moody's big on dispensationalism, which is a whole other conversation about Israel. So I ended up going to Israel for two summers in a row. My last two years, I went with chosen people ministries for my internship. Mm -hmm. And then the fall, when I was a senior, I graduated. And then I lived in Israel for four months um, as a nanny for some archaeologists in Ashkelon. And then I traveled solo for, um, I, I have a big adventure bug. So I traveled solo for like a few weeks afterwards around, um, Jordan and Egypt and meeting up with people in hostels. And it was, it was amazing because it was like the adventurous part of me living, but I had a very, um, you know, the, Jewish people need Jesus mm-hmm. perspective. Oh, it's painful mm-hmm. to say now. <laughs> uh, yeah. I've apologized to some of my Jewish Sorry. Love you. Yeah, you apologized. Yeah. Hey, quick, quick, pl- shameless plug for ourselves. But if people needed to know, so dispensationalism, Moody's known for it. Also, um, the Left Behind series was born there. At least one yes. of the, the author, Jerry Jenkins, is from M- Moody Bible Institute. But if people want to know a bit more about what that means and its impact on, on American Christianity, go back to a, a power, from Power Score to Palestine. We did a three-part episode yeah. last year. Check that out. So um, what, what was I going to ask you there? It's my shameless plug distracted me now. Did, we, fin- okay. did we finish that thought? Were we about to move on to another? It was the chink. The chink, right. And feminism. I remember too the same chink. I wouldn't have called it a chink, but as a brand new Christian, I remember I was taking an English one composition class and I decided to write 
my paper on my persuasive paper on why women could be elders in the church. Because mm. I was very pissed off that women were not allowed to be elders and stuff. And uh, I remember when I met Brian, that was one thing I had to check. I had to see if that was okay with him. Like I didn't want to be with anyone that had a belief system where women could not do everything that a man could do. So I don't think we would have ever called ourselves ourselves complementarianist, right? Ick or whatever. But it's funny though because I don't think I. Uh, I think if I had looked at the scriptures at the time and studied them, I probably would have landed more complementarian. Because mm-hmm. I do think they steer that way more, and I, I think do. it's I think it's hard. Just like they do, kind of steer more towards slavery is okay, right? I think mm-hmm. you have to make some pastoral exceptions to get around it. You've got to say, well, no, you know, you, you, slavery is not okay in the spirit of, of the law. It's not okay. But I think uh, I did end up coming out of. I went into. I think I went into seminary complementarian, and I came out egalitarian. Yeah. But it was it was still a hard shift, and I, I, I was able to. I did actually my on my finals. I did go up against the complementarian pastor because we were we had so many people graduating that year. We had one professor one pastor from a local church instead of two professors drilling you. Yeah. And that guy drilled me. And I knew he would because he was Calvinist and I wasn't, I had switched to Arminian through seminary. And he was also That's another thing that pissed me off. That yeah. was another chink for me. Yeah. And then uh, he was also complimentarian and I knew all that going in. Cause I, I checked out his church, but, but I felt like I did a good job with him, but I really had to. Okay. So I'm bothered now. Why are you bothered? Well, I'm bothered because I thought I was married to an egalitarian my whole marriage. Well, you are now. Were you wanted to like control me? No, I think you're overthinking. For all it. No, those years, I'm just saying, were you like, looking I, down on me. No, I think I was all about you. I mean, sorry, I think I was. You functioned not... as an, for all intents and purposes, in yeah, our yeah, marriage, did. we did not function that way. We was didn't. I yeah, living? Was I all... deluded? No, no, no. I think that's we didn't function that way. My point is that I don't think I knew enough about scripture. I think I was. I was like, yeah, that's cool. I think you should be an elder. And I did think like, why not be an elder? But I think as I studied the scriptures more, as we moved on, yeah, as much as I resisted them, I think I was logically landing. Like if you look at the, and I think it's true. If you look at the scriptures, I think they're going to steer you, especially Paul's writing. They're right. going to steer you more towards that, that, that the man is the head of the woman and the woman shouldn't be preaching. Right. And like, you know, you've got to work, really work around those scriptures to make them fit. How did that make you feel like in your marriage? And when you're looking at these scriptures, did you feel you weren't living into that? No, I don't. I don't. I don't know. I'm trying to think like did I? Here's what I did think that the spiritual well-being of the whole family was on my shoulders. Right. Right. I think there's still an element of that. Like when we had that episode some weeks on ago, our Delta eight journey, our Delta eight <laughs> journey. And it wasn't an love to that episode, by oh, the way. God. I had that whole thing, but anyway, we more we we don't we have to steer it. We can we can argue about that later. But to tie it up, no, I don't think it was on my top ten list of things to worry about. Okay. So I don't think it ever. Um, no, I'll tell you one thing though. Before I went to seminary, at a church that will go unnamed in Chicago, I remember when I was almost on the outs, outskirts of it. And let me just say, it was not Park Community Church. That was a great church. It was another one in Chicago, and Park didn't have women elders either, though. No, they didn't, but. At this other church, this guy was doing a uh, soul care uh, session with all the leaders in the church. And he said, a lot of women are emotional and a lot of men have missed their calling because because the women are too emotional. And I I think I went to raise my hand, which 
or I, I don't know, I was trying to say, well, a lot of, and a lot of, and I was going to say this to him, a lot of uh, women have missed their calling because of their husbands. Yeah. I was going to say that, like, this is pre-seminary. Yeah. But I knew I was, that was my chink. It's like, you just took one side, dude. That's not fair. Yeah. So anyway. Yeah. It also, it always, well, by the way, that, me. no, you oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Oh, that church I'm talking about had a ton of Moody Bible institutes. It was like, yes. it was like, I a was beacon. one of them. It was like a beacon. It just, and now I know why I think it just drew. It was the one, it was a true on fire, Holy spirit led church. And I think I could see where that would really draw a fundamentalist mindset of us and them and right and wrong and whatever. So, but you were drawn to that same place, right? You said. I went there for, I think a couple of years. Oh, when you I did. Was, and oh, wow. But I was always, I always felt I was on the outer circle and yeah, I think yeah. you guys were in the inner circle, especially Bridget, if you were in the choir, that was yeah, like yeah. Oh, the yeah. inner of the inner oh, circle. Sure. We were super holy. You were holy. And we holy would I know. sing at Moody and I probably told you this before. Yes. And uh, the choir leader would inform us how much, you know, we were so much holier and spirit filled and we needed to go, you know, oh, show teach him how to worship. Moody how they needed to have the Holy spirit in their midst because they worshiped quietly. Then that meant that the Holy spirit was not there. I mean, theologically, they're again, this arrogant attitude of let's teach them. Yeah. Stuff. (sighs) What were you going to say before I interrupted? Uh, Oh, so many things. Well, some of what you're saying, Brian, it, it reminds me. I was also, this was really hard to undo. I was taught at Moody to read the Bible literally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you read the Bible, literally you come and you, you know, you do the exegetical studies on Hebrew and Greek words. And then you come to these logical, rational conclusions based on the text, which was written by God, mm-hmm. written by humans, inspired by God. Yeah. So right, um, right. you can't really, <sighs> sorry, it's, I'm, I'm getting caught a little bit because I'm just, I haven't gone this far into like remembering and it, it feels painful. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. we can steer, um, steer out or in or wherever. No, you no, can. no. It, it just, it's, it's amazing to me that it can still be painful, but right. I, re- yeah. you know, reading the Bible, li- literally you will come to conclusions like, um, men are the head of the household yeah. that only men can preach that homosexuality is a sin. Yeah. Um, And I also, another thing that's been really hard to undo is what is the word? Um, It's not hermeneutics, um, the different ways of knowing. What is that word? The theology of epistemology, is that it? Yes, epistemology. So at Moody, they really emphasized the ways you can know about, like inform your worldview is like through the scripture. That's the main one. Through tradition. That's mm-hmm. the other one, the, the church tradition, right? Yeah. And then I think maybe, I can't remember for sure. I feel like experience was maybe there too, personal experience, but in a very minor way. Um, and that has completely changed for me, mm-hmm. obviously, that this yeah. is how you know about life. Mm-hmm. And we can get into that more later, but um that was deeply ingrained to me. Read the Bible literally. And um, the way you know about life is through scripture. And how do you know about life now? Um, a big way I know about life is, um, I would say like my, my feminine intuition. Mm-hmm. 
my experience, I would say now, like I'm moody, it was like be separate than the world. Mm -hmm. And now I welcome influences of the world, like influence me. I am a product of my surroundings. I'm fooling myself if I'm not right. So I'm not afraid to be influenced. Yeah. But I can also, I've learned how to think critically. Right. That's a key piece. I think I don't have to like take it all like right as my own, but I think another thing that really informs me is nature, honestly, just like mm-hmm. watch watching patterns of nature. Yeah. Patterns of time. Mm-hmm. How are you with death now? I was thinking about that. Cause that was probably the last piece of my deconstruction to let go mm-hmm. up until a couple of years ago, I was afraid well, yeah. I don't believe this anymore. I'm going to hell. This sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, ironically, the thing that I feared as a four-year-old laying in my waterbed mm-hmm. is the thing that held on the longest. Oh, like, yeah. And you said, yeah, it's so uh, deeply ingrained. You're saying up until two years ago, uh, that was still Probably. there? Well, yeah. it's a long time. Because you, so from, okay, we'll, we'll get that in a minute. That's a long uh, time to hold that. I fear. have to excuse myself. You well, you know what? what going, are you okay if we take pate. a quick pause? I can pause this yes. and then and then um if you need to take a quick break, we're gonna I'll be right, we'll be back in a minute. We'll stay we'll oh, be still online. Uh yeah, because I have to go. So Brian, where are we going? And we're back from the break, which you didn't even feel, listener, because uh yeah. What were you gonna say? Where are we going next? I, I think is there anything else on Moody you want to cover before? Because the, the next shift I think is over to straight to Denver seminary where we met. Mm-hmm. The only other thing I'll say about Moody is that I, uh, my last year there, I met my husband. Um, hey, Greg. Yeah. And yeah, that's kind of important, I guess. We, <laughs> we were both RAs and uh, wow. I, okay. Other thing about me, tidbit, you know, the whole purity culture thing. Mm-hmm. I drank that situation up. So I had never had a real boyfriend yeah. Until I met Greg, I'd never kissed anyone until I kissed Greg, obviously never had sex because that's sort of part of the package, but, um, and not definitely not till marriage right. <laughs> did we have sex. You're um, super Christian Tammy. Pretty much squeaky clean. So, uh, yeah. So I met Greg, um, and it was just like this whirlwind sort of romance. Like I saw him, I recognized him internally, right? Like yeah. this is who I'm supposed to be with. Mm-hmm. Um, after four months, he proposed to me mm-hmm. while skydiving in the middle of winter in Wisconsin. Oh, wow. Did he, hang on. Did he, were, you guys were you in the air together? Were you, were you floating through the air when he proposed? Yes. You could, you, and you could, it. you could hear him. Yes. <laughs> and I thought he was joking at first. And I, and I said, yeah. And then I said, yes. And then I was like, oh no, if he was kidding, like, that's really embarrassing <laughs> I just, but he was serious. Well, if you're going to put it out there, that you is funny. Be ready so hang on, answer. just, uh, you want to know the, uh, so you're, you're skydiving, you're falling through the air, just you two. And he grabs your hands in the middle of the sky and asks gra- you he- or whatever. He gets close enough to your ear. A little less romantic. Yeah. I was attached to skydiver Paul. He was attached to whoever his tandem guy tandem. Is that when you're yeah, with yeah, tandem? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, we were probably, you know, I don't know. 50, 100 feet apart. Yeah. Uh-huh. And so he just yelled it into like the 
freezing cold, what? 16 degree air. Wow. Will you marry me? Oh, that and was funny. I said, are you serious? Because I had a scarf on. <laughs> yeah. he, he couldn't hear me. He's like, that was longer than yes. And I pulled my scarf down and I said, yes. And then he went, woohoo. Oh, and then I, we I had an that story. awkward pause because we were both still like floating next to each yeah. other. <laughs> it's like, what do we say now? And we can't like kiss, you know? So uh, that, yeah, that's how. We, and then he, um, right after we got engaged, he was deployed in Iraq for a little over a year. Wow. He got back, he got back from his deployment. We got married two or three months after that. So oh in gosh. terms of like time together before yeah. we got married, probably six months tops. Wow. Wow. That's short. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a side story on Greg and I don't want to derail us because this may come up, but um, he's a very humble guy. Like I knew, I didn't know for a while he was a vet. And then when we talked about it, just told me a few stories and he says, yeah, I wasn't in combat or anything. I said, well, what'd you do? He goes, I drove, I drove a gasoline truck through zones. Sometimes there were red zones. Yeah. And like one of the cars in front of him got hit. And I was like, Oh my gosh, you drove it. You're not in combat, but you might as that well be. You're be driving gasoline so truck. Stressful. So, but anyway, that's, um, that's just, a, and we can probably, that, if that comes up later, it does. So you uh, got married and then um, why was Den Sem on the, so you, you were in counseling in Denver seminary. That's where you went. Yeah. yeah. So we got married. We were still living in Chicago. Greg had to finish his degree because he had been mm-hmm. deployed. And then after um, he got done with school, we, I was sitting with this feeling of like, what the hell do I do now? Sorry, if you have yeah. to use the explicit button on me she said the f word okay so <laughs> okay. so okay good now i can curse like a sailor oh yeah free to curse <laughs> free. um because i'm a woman and i have a bible degree like what do i do with this besides lead it's a like, good sunday school class a worthless degree it is so um i he's brilliant well, no, like i have a worthless worse, degree of a bachelor of arts which is mm. also pretty much worthless unless you're going to be a teacher i mean she met her husband though at least through undergrad you know you got that going for you. Well, no, I just, I'm just saying. Okay, like, okay, okay. You go teach I feel the same all way. this stuff, okay, okay. and then yeah, you tell yeah. them, oh, well, but you oh, no, can I hear what you're only saying. do yeah. these little teeny tiny you only taste the things with, yeah. with your degree that right. you just paid all this money <laughs> for, but yeah, you're just yeah. a stupid woman, so right. good yeah. luck with that. So I, I, I did feel a clarity around, like, I would be a really good counselor, you know? Mm-hmm. I also have this problem where I... Uh, get derive a lot of meaning from taking care of people or being really like nurturing. Um, So of course the thing, one of the things that drew me to the profession is something I have to always monitor about myself that I can slip into this false self, Mm -hmm. which is really gross on some level. It's like a performer um, mm-hmm. who derives her value. Um, I, I don't want to say gross cause that's too harsh, but der- I, der- I can derive my value from being a really good listener, being a really yeah. good friend, being really attentive, whatever I'm doing for you. Right. Instead of just who I am. Mm-hmm. Right. And sometimes if I base so much on of my worth on the other per- person's experience of me, mm-hmm. I also won't be assertive or even say something that 
needs to be said that mm-hmm. wouldn't go over well, perhaps. Yeah. So it can hold me back. It can hold me okay. back from my power. Yeah. What does that look like when it's holding you back? Hmm. This is a very abstract question in my brain. Yeah. So you're saying you receive your, you potentially sometimes could be receiving an identity boost Mm. or a boost in your self-confidence because you are such a good helper for other people that you can land in that world of like, oh, look at me. I'm such a good helper. And this person's relying on me and I'm helping fix their issues. But then that is keeping you from being authentically Tammy. It's a burden. Ultimately, even today, when I showed up to talk with you guys, I, I intentionally tried to check that part of myself at Mm -hmm. the door Yeah, because I wanted, you know, I want this to be the best conversation that's so powerful. And, you know, I just have Mm -hmm. these immensely high expectations and it, it gets in the way, like you're saying of authenticity and it gets Mm -hmm. in the way of something else inside of me that I've never been able to tap into. And I'm just starting to now Mm -hmm. at age 35, which is, I don't know how to describe it, but it's like my inner, my inner drum, like my power, Mm -hmm. my, Mm -hmm. um, power feels like the best word, mm-hmm. but I don't really know it. I'm not power hungry. I'm just, there's a lot inside of me still that yeah. has yet to be discovered. Right. Yeah. Do you feel like you're just now being born for the first time? Such a good way to put it. Yes. As I'm, as I'm about to give birth to my daughter and I'm going to hold that. I appreciate yeah. you saying that Bridget, because this pregnancy is ushering me into my own newness. Mm-hmm. And I do feel like it's such a cool thing when your body goes through something, mm-hmm. creating life, releasing life, but also like um, last year, this last year, I've had some really powerful dreams and um like sleep dreams, but Mm -hmm. then also like deep meditation visualizations of even myself actually giving birth to myself. Mm. Oh, wow. That's powerful. And then, um, it's sort of built Mm -hmm. that dream has sort of built. I've, I've felt myself in my infancy coming into Mm -hmm. coming into myself for the first time. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I relate to that so much as I feel like I just, I feel like everything that came before the past like two years was not my real personhood. Mm. Like that was my shadow self because when you're in a cult system, that's dictating every thought pattern and behavior and action you take, There is no way in hell you can become in tune with who you actually are as a human being because you're modifying everything on a daily basis. And Mm -hmm. so this idea of rebirth is very powerful Mm -hmm. and, um, and definitely a journey. So I'm glad you're feeling that, that you're going to be able to be 
born, that you're being born and you're going to be able to grow now even more. It's not that we couldn't have grown before, but it can't be an authentic growth. Like mm-hmm. it's like a fake thing. Do you, when you talk about yourself, um, two years ago mm-hmm. and beyond, do you feel, um, shame or like judgment or hatred even towards that part towards yourself or no, I don't. I feel, I feel like she was doing the very best she could in what she knew. And, you know, I did a lot of good things and I tried to live as authentically as possible within that framework. Of course, you Mm -hmm. don't know what you don't know until you're on the outside of it, you know? So yeah, I think being an artist probably helped me be more authentic Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. I was still kind of living on the edge of some things in the midst of that, but it still wasn't fully me. You know, like, I don't even know, and you've heard me say this a million times on the podcast. Like, I feel like I'm a human for the first time. Like I never knew what it was like to be part of the human race. Yeah. You know, cause you're like a part of a, you know, this elite force that's here to save the world and save humanity. And you're just, it's like Scientology. I mean, I look every day. I'm like, this is, I, I read the handmaid's tale. I mean, that is what Christianity is some fucked up crazy shit that you're taught to do. Like you're on the planet to like save people. Like, how can you even, how do you, how does one even know themselves when they're so focused on this kind of stuff all the time and trying to decipher this book that is like completely so complicated, you know, and spending your every waking hour trying to interpret this text and apply it to yourself and to the world around you. It's just so bizarre, you know, I mean, I mean, I love her and everything. I feel bad. I feel sad for her. Mm-hmm. You know, I weep over her and, um, obviously it wasn't her fault. You know, I mean, she didn't do anything. She just was doing the best she could. Like we all do. And, but is, I'm is there, to her as your younger self. Yeah, just, yeah. Me, myself, you know, just like, yeah, we, you know, I was just living the best life I could, you know? You know, it's interesting because you two were both uh, raised uh, in the faith, right? Mm-hmm. When I say in the faith, I mean in the evangelical fundamentalist. Would you describe your background, childhood, as fundamentalist, Tammy? Looking back, for sure, college. Um, most I would describe describe it as a fundamentalist light, perhaps. Okay, yeah, it wasn't okay. as intense as Bridget's experience, right? Because you both, because it's funny, you were saying you were saying Christianity, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think what you mean is, I think when you say Christianity, I think you're, you're referring to that fundamentalist strand because I'm referring to all of it. Yeah. Except for the super liberal, completely accepting. There is no universalist. So I, I grew up on the Catholic side, which, you know, they're not, they're not cool with homosexuality. They still have Yeah, but I don't, I don't, I get my, I feel like I had a chance to become who I was. And then at 26 got pretty serious. 
about Christianity that form. And, uh, you know, then the separation kind of happened, I think, between my family and I, driven mm-hmm. by me. But I at least had the, I had this 26 years to the point where a few years ago I was in the back of the pub in Dublin and I was had a few beers and I was dancing around in a circle being an idiot. My brother said, look, he's back. Oh, wow. Powerful. And I realized, oh, where, where did I go? And I realized what he meant is that he's yep. the old Brian we once knew is back. But I, I at least had a chance to come back. But I wonder for you two, there was no there's your it is being like start you're starting from scratch so there's not some reference point you can go back to like i can go back to a reference point when i was i don't know 16 years old at a hotel working working at a hotel standing on the roof smoking a cigarette at half past 10 at night excited because i was going to go to the bar for last call then we're going to go to the dance till 2 a.m i mean well i mean but and i I look back now and as that as as a great spiritual moment i would i would have looked back at it five years ago oh i was lost back then but now I look back and say, that was a great moment yeah. of my life and, and joy I had. Exactly. But I can go back to that and then I can compare it to the years as a Christian. And then, um, but for you two, there's no, it's all ahead of you, which is in a way is exciting because, you, you know, <laughs> you guys aren't, you guys aren't 90 years old. You still have some great years mm-hmm. ahead, but I'd imagine that's hard because your, your complete identity was. Like I had a pre-Christian identity, then I had a post-Christian yeah. kid, a, a Christian identity. Now I and now I've, I'm, I'm it's whatever it is. You two though, you've got to form it anew. Yeah. Do you feel, Bridget? Like I feel this way. Like there are aspects of my identity that have mm-hmm. always been true that yeah. got that got that got uh, kind of stuck in some of the Christian lingo, but mm-hmm. are still true today. Like for instance, yeah. I really resonate with nature. I'm yeah. a very creative person. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm an adventurous person. These things have always been true of me, right. but they just took like a Christian slant. Right. They had a Christian accent for a long time. Yeah. And yeah, now, yeah. now they have a different, I don't know. No, I, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. So I wouldn't say maybe saying it's all fake. Right. I mean, there are aspects of me that have always been the same. All right. Sorry for that sudden drop there in the episode where um, we'll leave it at that and we'll just cut that at episode one and we'll play the second half of the interview, episode two, next week. Thanks for listening to our friend Tammy.